The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Do you really enjoy taking care of your skin? I always think that it's something that when you're a teenager is kind of new and fresh and fun, unless, of course, you end up with adolescent breakouts and that takes the fun away. What I find as a health-conscious person is that taking care of my skin has been and continues to be a lifelong chore, but also a lifelong passion. Because when somebody says, oh my gosh, your skin is great, being vegan must really work. You know what? It feels good. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan Program, welcoming you to Oh my gosh, I don't even know what episode. It's 400 and something. Looking forward to that number 500 when we'll have a big old party. But you know what? Today is going to be a party too because my wonderful guest, whom I guess you figured this out, is an expert in all things dermatological, is celebrating today a very special birthday. And we'll let her tell you about that. She is Dr. Jessica Cran a 100% plant-based dermatologist in New York City who is also board certified in lifestyle medicine and a certified life coach. She practiced traditional dermatology for over 20 years in an office setting and came to realize that when her patients came to her to look better, they were really coming to feel better. So she started to teach her patients and anybody who would listen that healthy skin comes from within and healthy aging is just as much an inside job as it is an outside job. So Dr. Jessica Krant is now also engaged in mindset coaching and she has a brand new podcast, Save Your Own Skin. Welcome, Dr. Jessica Krant. Well, Victoria Moran, thank you <laughs> so much for having me. It's such an honor. As you know, I'm a huge fan of you and everything you do. So this is a really major treat for me. Well, that absolutely is goes two ways. 
So, Dr. Krant, tell us a little bit just about you and how you started. And then how did you get from traditional, excellent at your work, into the plant-based world? This is a journey that has actually um, been over, uh, over about the past 10 years, but I have truly been plant-based for, I would say, the past two to three years. What happened was um, early in my 40s, I went through some infertility treatments and you know, had an experience where that didn't end up working out. And then I made some job changes. And those job changes coincided with the, uh, you know, political arena in the country getting more and more um, extreme and people starting to worry more about the environment. And I felt that my job as a dermatologist, taking care of people's skin and maybe doing some cosmetic treatments, I, I, I felt like I wasn't making as much impact on the world as I wanted to. I saw friends struggling emotionally and really, you know, trying to figure out where to go next uh, with, with society. It was sort of an existential time for me to take stock of what I was doing with my career. And while I love being a dermatologist and still enjoy it every single day, I wanted to also be able to offer a broader wellness and a healing to my community, to my friends, and even to myself at the time. So I started investigating more ways that I could offer that holistic healing and support to a wider community. And I investigated integrative medicine, I investigated functional medicine, and then I came across a new, a newer field called lifestyle medicine. And lifestyle medicine turned out to be about everything that I truly believe uh, without a lot of extras. There's, it's based on evidence-based research showing that if we optimize six pillars of healthy lifestyle choices, we can actually have the power just with our own bodies and our own minds to reverse some chronic disease, to prevent chronic disease, and to really give ourselves the, the highest chance of thriving. It turns out that when we live these healthy ways, it also keeps our skin the most clear possible and can clear up skin problems that have been longstanding. And it also has the ability to slow down and reduce the aging process. So I, I sort of stumbled upon the what I consider to be the holy grail of healthy lifestyle. That when we do all of these things, we not only um, preserve our brain health, our bone health, and our GI health, and all of our organs, but since our skin is our largest organ, it also helps our skin too. And that's really how I got into lifestyle medicine. The journey to becoming a life coach was really just a story of wanting to figure out how to help people um, to reduce all of the barriers that we find in real life when we're trying to change our, our lifestyle to live, to be healthier and do 
better things for us and change our jobs, um, change our careers and, and get healthier relationships. It's all about how we change our mindset to be able to get out of our own way and do these things for us, including healthy lifestyle. Well, that really is the inner and the outer in every kind of way. And I'm really happy that you mentioned, as you were leading up to lifestyle medicine, two other things that people find, integrative medicine and functional medicine. And because all of these are fairly new, lifestyle medicine, as you said, being the newest, a lot of people just look for a physician who isn't your standard, you know, MD. We want an MD, but um, something that's a little bit more or different. And so they'll sometimes wander into, say, a functional medical office and they'll be told they're supposed to eat animal products and, and do other things that are not in keeping with the kind of mindset that probably most of my listeners have. So could you just explain briefly what integrative medicine is, what functional medicine is, so that people know if they're looking for a plant-based physician, that's probably not where they're going to find one? Yes, I'm so glad you asked because it is confusing. I must say, even among physicians, functional medicine is a field that has grown out of the concept that we're not just a bunch of separate body systems taped together. We are an integrated system that has, uh, they, they consider it, they call it like a functional whole how our energy system works, how our digestion works. They, each, each system inter, interacts with and impacts the others. And that is a legitimate uh, frame of reference. Within functional medicine, it turns out that they sometimes promote different diets or they promote a lot of tests, a lot of testing and a lot of supplements and things like that. In lifestyle medicine, there really are no supplements promoted. There's very little testing promoted other than basic lipid profiles and things like that. Lifestyle medicine is just much more down to the nitty gritty of yourself and your body and the choices you make every day. And that's why I was drawn to it. it mm. It's really the most evidence-based. Integrative medicine and alternative medicine include other modalities like herbal medicine and Ayurveda and other well-respected fields. It's just a little bit more um, of a, you know, I don't want to use the word integrated, but they're, they're trying to say we can take Eastern and Western practices and energy healing and things like that and put them all together to create our, our most, our highest healing. But again, I was first attracted to the lifestyle medicine because of its simplicity and the evidence behind it, which these other fields don't always have yet. Thank you. That helps. So let's talk about lifestyle since we're in lifestyle medicine and skin. D does it really make a difference what we eat? I actually give some talks on eating for skin health and anti-aging. And of all of these six pillars of lifestyle medicine, which include food as medicine, sleep and sleep hygiene, physical activity and exercise, mindfulness and stress management, healthy relationships and social networks, and minimizing toxic external substances, 
of all of those pillars, food as medicine is the most impactful on the skin for sure. It is really amazing to learn through my journey that we are able to control the health of our skin to such a degree by reducing inflammatory factors in our diets, as which as we know means animal products, reducing processed foods and other, you know, foods with preservatives and other toxins really can have such an impact on our skin that some people with nearly lifelong terrible chronic diseases that are socially and emotionally isolating can to some degree largely turn the boat around and and really help themselves from the inside out. That's so cool. And and you really do see people with a very healthy lifestyle who have a glow. I, I mean, it, it's just indisputable. You can line people up and say you've got the glow and you don't, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with age or, or any other factor of the person's appearance. In, in, uh, in yoga and Ayurveda, they talk about ojas, and they talk about this kind of golden essence that, that is the result of good health and good digestion, and it, it does seem to show. Absolutely. You know, we, because the way we eat, what goes into our bodies literally shows up on our skin as it shows up in every organ, but we can't see the other organs. The famous doctor, Michael Clapper, he likes to say, your body is never not looking at what we, at what you put in it, at what we eat. Mm. And, you know, I happened to catch him once when he was speaking about um, plant-based diets and skin health. He actually said, your skin is never not looking. And that, you know, that just warmed my heart because he was talking to me and my people. And it's really true that people who eat a wide variety of whole foods that are, you know, mainly plants and ideally all plants do have younger cells and clearer skin because they have the least inflammation cycling through their bodies and they are able to produce the healthiest cells. When we have reduced inflammation, we have reduced what I call inflammaging because inflammation irritates the skin and creates reactive oxygen species and things that are damaging to our cells, to our DNA, to our collagen and our elastin, and also reduce the turnover of healthy young cells. So when we are reducing inflammation, we're reducing all of that chronic damage and we do keep younger skin looking fresher and more glowing for longer periods. That's so cool. Now, since you mentioned collagen, I do want to get to some of the questions that people have submitted to the Main Street Vegan podcast Facebook group. And and listeners, if you're not part of that, oh, please, please join Main Street Vegan podcast listeners. And that way, when I'm having somebody fabulous on like Dr. Krant, I'll say to the the members there, do you have a question for her? And then uh, they get their questions answered. So do get in on that. So uh, Susan uh, from upstate New York, hi, Susan, um, is going to be uh, having her 50th birthday in, in two months. And she's asking about aging skin, daily skincare routines, and vegan collagen. So maybe if you could get in a little bit to 
collagen in terms of internally, externally? Do we need to worry about it? What should we do? It's a tough one for vegans. You know, it is a tough one for vegans. And I must honestly say that until about two or three weeks ago, I really was pretty sure that these collagen powders and collagen supplements were pretty much all snake oil and hype. And then a very well-respected dermatology researcher, friend of mine, did come across a paper that he felt changed his mind and made him more of a believer that collagen supplements, which are not vegan, may help skin quality and skin health. Now, of course, as vegans and plant-based eaters, we are not going to take those supplements and we don't support them. But there are vegan supplements, vegan collagen supplements on the market. And because true collagen is comes only from animals, the it comes from the, you know, skin and joints and parts of animals that are, do not exist in plants. There is no true vegan collagen supplement. There are vegan quote unquote collagen supplements that try to incorporate the amino acids that may make up collagen. And I don't really have any evidence of whether taking those supplements is any better than eating all of the variety of plants that we should be eating anyway. Our bodies have the ability to break apart the plant proteins and recreate the proteins that our bodies need, including collagen. So I really am not feeling any pressure to promote vegan collagen supplements. And I think that if we eat our wide variety of plant-based foods, including nuts and seeds and all the rainbow colors, and try to get at least 30 different types of plants into our bodies every week, as Dr. Will Bolsowitz likes to promote, I think that's the best we can do. And I think if we're doing everything else to keep and maintain our health, that it will support us having young, healthy skin. That sounds excellent. Now, what about the creams and all? I know, again, there's no vegan collagen cream, but there are some that say it helps you boost your own collagen or make more of it. Creams are a little bit tricky because this they all fall in a category called cosmeceutical. And cosmeceutical sounds fancy and scientific, but what it really means is that these companies are trying to ride the line between proving scientifically that they actually change our skin, which would make them a drug and would make the FDA responsible for regulating them, and riding the line between that and being considered a cosmetic, which means that they, by definition, have no effect on the function of the skin and what the skin actually does, that they are just for appearance. And they make the skin appear better temporarily from the outside. Cosmetics are regulated by the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, and cosmetics are only pulled off the market if they hurt somebody. There is no burden of proof to show that they actually do anything, nor is there actually burden of proof to show ahead of time that they are safe. They actually only get in trouble if they're already out on the market and then there's a, there are a lot of complaints. The cosmeceuticals, legally speaking, are considered cosmetics. 
So a lot of people don't realize that no matter what the companies are claiming, there's no publicly available proof that they are doing anything. Some of the companies may have internal secret research of skin biopsies and things like that that do show up regulation in the formation of collagen, but they're not allowed to market with that information because then they are showing that they do actually change the functioning of the skin and they would have to go through the FDA, which they're all trying to avoid. What I'm saying is it's very hard to evaluate the quality of these creams as a consumer. And if you feel like one is making a difference for you, it's fair to keep using it, but it would be very hard to really ever prove it for yourself. So what do we do for a daily skincare routine, especially for somebody like Susan who's approaching 50? I'm sure everybody knows that I'm going to say that the most important thing we can make sure to do is protect our skin from sun damage, wearing sunscreen, wearing a hat, and wearing sun protective clothing, not trying to lie in the sun and get tan. The sun is by far our most damaging factor. Uh, we do want vitamin D, but we try to get it from supplementation and from eating vitamin D in our in foods, which is a little bit harder to find in, in plant products than in animals. So it's, it is important to potentially supplement vitamin D. But overall, I think one of the most proven, because its cousin, tretinoin went through the FDA approval process to become Retin-A many, many years ago, the over-the-counter cream retinol is generally created in a lab and is considered to be pretty reliable in terms of preventing wrinkles. There is now a new plant-based retinoid, retinoid analog, retinoid cousin on the market that claims to have similar outcomes to retinol, which is Bacuchiol. I don't know if your listeners have heard of it yet, but that's B-A-K-U-C-H-I-O-L. Bacuchiol is a plant-based potential competitor to retinol, if anybody's interested in investigating that. Those two, the, the retinoid, Bacuchiol or retinol, and the sunscreen are like number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. All of the other skin creams and potential uh, topicals out there are much are, have a harder uphill climb to prove how much they're able to do for us. Interesting. And how about, and this question comes from uh, Tony in Nebraska, how to improve crepey body skin? I know that there are dermatologists online and, and on infomercials who, who are hawking these creams and showing befores and afters, but it sure has never worked for me. <laughs> I'm glad you say that because I feel that there are a lot of, I'll say it again, snake oil offers out there, especially on the internet and in YouTube advertisements. But it turns out that that crepey quality of the skin is so hormonally driven it is very, very hard to affect from the outside in. And there are a few creams that contain things like retinol or lactic acid or glycolic acid 
that try to thicken the very few outer cells and make the skin a little bit juicier and reduce the appearance of the crepiness. But there's very little that can really roll back the clock and change that crepey quality from the inside out, which is why I think it's really valuable for women these days to know that the conventional wisdom and the gold standard knowledge about hormones and menopause is actually changing. And a lot of the older information that hormone replacement therapy is dangerous and increases risk has actually been disproven. And they've gone back to the original studies and shown that they were flawed. So there's a lot of updated new research in favor of women who don't have any direct, who don't have direct contraindications in considering hormone replacement therapy for things like skin quality, if that's important to you. If you have, if you have real symptomatic changes around menopause and which can last up to 10 years, like night sweats and hot flashes and things like that, it's worth speaking to your gynecologist or your primary care doctor about it. And you were saying earlier that other than Premarin, the the newer hormone replacements are not made from the mare of the the urine of pregnant mares, uh, which was always something that um, uh, you know years ago we learned to avoid <laughs> long before the studies said to avoid it for other reasons. So that's that's fascinating. And and if people want to go back in the um, the archives of of our program, we have talked about uh, bioidentical hormone replacement uh, a couple of times in the past. If you want to check that out. So um, just before we go to break, we've been talking about somebody else about to have a birthday. Do you want to share with us what today is? Well, it is, you know, such a treat for me, Victoria, to spend this very, very special birthday with you, especially to be talking about these issues, which are also applicable to me as I turn 50. This is my 50th birthday, and... I've been looking forward to it because it's been such a journey, especially this past year, to be getting the word out on all of this healthy lifestyle information and how much our own thinking really controls our fates and the direction of our lives. And to be turning 50 while I'm working through spreading this message has been really a pleasure because... I'm talking to myself while I'm talking to everybody else, and we're all learning together. Oh, that's and beautiful. It's, so it's a we really exciting to, time. It is indeed. Sorry to interrupt. We need to go to break. And when we come back, we have a lovely, delicious other uh, <laughs> half a show uh, to celebrate your birthday and have a fabulous good time. So everybody stay with us. We're going to be getting to more of your questions and more with Dr. Jessica Krant. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, 
a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the second half of this utterly fascinating episode. At least it's fascinating to me, and I hope it is to you. The idea that by protecting our skin from the sun and by eating all kinds of wonderful fruits and vegetables and lots of greens we can really change the look and the health of our skin as well as our whole bodies for all our lives. My guest is Dr. Jessica Krant, and she has a brand new podcast, Love the Skin You're In. So do take a look for that, and we will put all of her URLs on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So getting back to some of the questions um, that came in from uh, members of the Main Street Vegan listeners group on, on Facebook, some of the questions were cosmetic, which we've been talking about, and we'll get back to more of that later because it's just so much fun, but you are also a, a dermatologist who deals with with pathologies of the skin and I realize that you're not able to prescribe for people on a podcast but to just educate the questioners and the rest of us about some of these issues someone is writing about um, a chronic idiopathic urticaria hives um, she says she's had it for nine years. She's been to every kind of doctor. None of them can figure it out. And I realize this is coming to you just off the cuff. You know, you weren't given any time to research. But just from your general knowledge as a dermatologist, do you have any words for her? My first words for her are words of, of empathy and sympathy. Um, I can only imagine how frustrating and stressful it must be to live with this condition. Chronic idiopathic urticaria means hives that are of unknown origin that have lasted more than six months in a row. So going on 10 years is is quite a long time. And by definition in in the medical textbooks, it you know, we it does admit that if we can't figure out the cause within the first six months, sometimes we're never able to figure it out. And it can be very, very distressing. I can, I, I don't really have a very specific slam dunk answer, but I can say that there could be some immune system trigger, and it can be an autoimmune condition where the immune system has been tripped up. It since I know that uh, she's already plant based and vegan, I can just imagine whether it might be a very specific allergy that hasn't been identified yet, which would have to be investigated by a, a real allergist, which I'm sure she has already done. A, a rheumatologist is the specialist who deals with the immune system and autoimmune triggers. And other than that, it could potentially even be something as 
vague and difficult to figure out as as neurological or potentially um you know neuroimmune kind of a trigger that would be a little obscure so off the cuff i i would i cannot really figure out what to say i you know if she were not already vegan i would definitely recommend a plant-based diet so that's already handled and i can just say please don't give up somebody's going to be able to figure it out yes well evidently joe cross the the australian gentleman who made the film several years ago fat sick and nearly dead um, was able to get his under control. I don't know, uh, Pam, who asked the question, if, if you've seen that film, but uh, it, it's a charming film. And, and this was the condition uh, that, that Joe had. And he did a juice fast for 60 days. And then he went largely plant-based, at least the last time I talked to him. He was not 100% vegan, but has evidently managed to find a way to get that in, in remission. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's something to look at, but um, like like Dr. Krant, I'm so sorry you're going through this. And there's hope. There There's hope for everything. I just have, have seen too many people with, all kinds of conditions overcome them over the years that I don't believe that anything um, doesn't have an answer. It's it's just a matter of finding it. So thanks for your question. Um, then the next condition somebody is asking about is toenail fungus. And again, this is a plant-based person. And um, they're asking for any natural suggestions if possible or maybe some unnatural ones if that would work too toenail fungus is extremely resistant to treatment and very stubborn even in the traditional medical world in the non-plant-based world with very strong medications it does not always get cured oral antifungal pills only really are able to cure it 80 to 85% of the time after taking the pills for three to 12 months. So when we try to treat with topical remedies, regular topical prescriptions that directly kill fungus, we can only cure it about 10% of the time after somebody uses these medications for a year or longer. And I say that as a background to say that if I suggest you might try apple cider vinegar diluted so you don't burn yourself or potentially Vicks VapoRub, which are, I know, remedies floating around on the internet, they might actually be able to help in a few cases, if, especially if there's not very much fungus already established. There, are, there is evidence that those have helped in certain cases, but I do not have a slam dunk natural home remedy for toenail fungus but those those are some that might be fun to try okay and then to prevent getting it i mean are are we in danger if we get pedicures and nail salons i have to say that we are at risk because those are shared moist environments and shared equipment you know the cleanest places have the lowest risk but most of the people that i see with warts on their feet, plantar warts, or fungus on their feet or toenails have have commonly gotten them from 
pedicures and salons, if not gyms and locker rooms and pool areas. Unfortunately, there's just no getting around that the viruses and, and fungi are infectious conditions. And they're everywhere. <laughs> I think we know that more in 2021 than we ever did before. Now, here someone is asking about a condition called melasma. Um, and uh, she says that she is pregnant, and that is something that is, is fairly common in pregnancy. But she had it for a few years before becoming pregnant. Do you have thoughts? Melasma, everyone, these are the hard-hitting questions, everybody. The, melasma is another one of the most stubborn and difficult to manage uh, dermatologic conditions. And it is hormonally related and it is genetic. Fam it runs in families. It run, tends to run in different ethnicities as more common, but it really can affect anybody. It used to have the nickname the mask of pregnancy because it does tend to be triggered by the hormones of pregnancy. But similarly, because birth control tricks the body into thinking it's pregnant, some birth control pills can also trigger melasma. Melasma is a increased pigmentation created by the melanocytes, which are the pigment producing cells relatively deep in the skin. So this is not a type of pigmentation that can be easily bleached away and it can be very, very frustrating. It's highly sensitive to the sun. It's highly sensitive to ultraviolet radiation from the sun. But we also now know we have more uh, new evidence that melasma is also sensitive to visible light. That means the sunshine, the part of the sunshine that we actually see with our eyes that makes the day bright, that helps us see each other outside, also triggers melasma. And I'm sorry to say, it is also triggered by indoor light and by heat. For example, cooking near a hot stove, that heat alone can trigger melasma. So it's, it's really turned out to be the case that to try to block the, radiate, the radiation, meaning visible and invisible radiation that can trigger melasma, we have to wear sunscreen that blocks the invisible ultraviolet rays and the visible light rays, which means we really need a tinted sunscreen these days. The newest ingredient that's shown to really block melasma better than traditional sunscreens is an ingredient called iron oxide. So we want a sunscreen with iron oxide or iron oxides in the ingredients. And most people don't wear a high enough SPF or a broad enough spectrum or a thick enough layer of sunscreen for it to make enough of a difference with melasma. But wearing the right amount of sunscreen alone has been shown in research to actually allow melasma to fade by itself without actually doing any treatment. So absolute number one first step is the right amount of the right sunscreen. Second is to potentially consider some skin lightening agents or very, very gentle low-level, mm, diffuse laser treatments that don't put too much heat into the skin because he, the heat from a laser can actually make melasma worse. So if pursuing anything like a laser treatment, I really, really recommend going to an extremely experienced board-certified dermatologist. But finally, one thing that I've come to learn that I think has been very helpful for some of my patients 
to know is that melasma can also flare up and show more when we are iron deficient. So there, we can have a lot of hidden, unidentified iron deficiency in our, in our bodies. And sometimes when we realize that this melasma is super extra stubborn, finding out that we're iron deficient and reversing that can actually make a difference. Excellent. Well, I hope that that's uh, helpful to the quest questioner. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, and finally, the, the last question comes from Nancy, who is asking about psoriasis. And I don't know if psoriasis is more common than it used to be, but it seems like if you watch television in the evening, every other commercial is for a psoriasis medication. I don't know if that means it's a more common condition or they just have more medications. So uh, help out Nancy and the rest of us. I see those TV commercials too. And I have to say that those are for what a, a category of medications we call biologics, which means that they're not antibiotics and they're not steroids. They are a, a class of medication that really alter how our bodies function by mimicking our own body's molecules. The research behind these is enormous, and it has it has created a class of medications that are enormously expensive for our healthcare system. Some of them can be ten thousand dollars a month. Now, Oof. if if we have research, uh, research if we have insurance, it can mean that our insurance may cover these. But you can imagine the cost to our healthcare system and the amount of money that has gone into the research and development by these drug companies. And because they would like to make their money back, they have invested in marketing. So you don't really see advertisements on TV for inexpensive, well-known medications. You really see the ads for the big guns, the new medicines that the drug companies need to make their money back on. For desperate people who are really suffering and psoriasis can be terrible, and it can be almost it can be a systemic autoimmune illness. These biologic medications are life saving, and they are life changing, and they are absolutely valuable in the right settings. So I I don't want anyone to think otherwise. For people who need them, they are amazing. They are really a game changer. But we also know that psoriasis is like other skin conditions. It is a inflammatory autoimmune condition that can be greatly regulated and at least downgraded potentially by changes in diet, changes in lifestyle, and changes in habits. Some of the proven links between psoriasis and our health and ways that we can potentially help ourselves are to reduce uh, drinking alcohol. Alcohol has been shown to be associated with more psoriasis. To reduce and completely quit smoking. Smoking has also been shown to be associated with triggering psoriasis. And also to potentially lose any excess weight we might be carrying because what they call obesity, being overweight, has also been shown to, what it's doing is it's creating an inflammatory systemic condition inside our bodies. And that inflammatory condition is triggering the immune system to create the psoriasis. So when people lose weight, they sometimes have their psoriasis just clear up. 
all three of those are proven links. It may not work for everybody, but it would definitely help any medication to work better if all of those are also being managed at the same time. Finally, of course, switching off of animal products and inflammatory processed foods and switching to a wide variety across the rainbow, whole food, plant-based diet that is low in inflammatory triggers like oil will also help the skin. Okay. Thank you so much. So I want to ask you about a word as we're celebrating your 50th birthday, and I can remember my 50th birthday. How about this term, anti-aging? It almost sounds like people wanting to die young. (laughs) What do we do with anti-aging? You know, Victoria, I recall it was probably several months ago that you and I had a lovely conversation about this because it is really such a double-edged sword. And we just knew it was so fascinating to delve into. And I'm glad you brought it up. As far as dying young, I like to say that my my message to everybody and, and my theme is that we all want to die young as late as possible. Yeah. But what, when I say die young, I don't want it to mean that we want to necessarily die looking like we are 20. You know, I don't want to promote a a philosophy that we need to always try to look younger. I think that we want to feel young and we want to be our best selves at any age and we want to be our healthiest selves, which will mean that we really look the best for our age, but it should be a byproduct of what's going on inside. I don't like the term anti-aging for that reason, because it does set up a mental construct where aging is bad. And I think that's really been a, a terrible burden on our society to have that subconscious message constantly running. I think older cultures revere their older members and re-honor their elderly and honor their family members. And I think our culture and society has t- largely turned away from that. And it, it's really accelerating with the Instagram culture of, you know, appearance. So I, I do run into a conundrum as a dermatologist where I'm wanting to support people wanting to look better. And I know that it means that they're, they're thinking about it because they want to feel better about themselves. I do blame our society a little bit for creating that connection where they feel like they need to look better so that they feel better. So I think about this a lot. And I'm really for promoting healthy aging and healthy thriving. And I want us to look our best while we're doing it because it's a sign of inner health. I, I just don't want to promote the concept that we have to constantly be fighting aging. That to me is too, it's too much of a negative and I don't think it's good for us. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that the brilliant person who comes up with a really usable replacement term for anti-aging so that it can be used in conversations with dermatologists and their patients. It can be used in marketing for products, whatever. Just something that is more pro-aging exquisitely and slowing down some of these, these you know, real inflammatory um, adversities that, that we don't want to have. 
So maybe we just need anti-inflammatory aging. That's too long, but it's a thought. <laughs> I, I agree with you totally. And because I love words, I am now on a mission to invent that word. I'm going to do that. But I just wanted to also say, you know, I, I am in a I am in a funny position because I am a practicing dermatologist and I really enjoy doing the small things that help people feel better about how they look. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. I've I've been doing less and less of the larger procedures and I really love educating and teaching people about how little we need to do to maintain just that little bit of a a little bit of a glow, little bit of a freshness while still looking like ourselves and looking appropriate for our age, but great for our age. Mm. Cool. Now let's talk about an age that we all once were and maybe some people listening still are or they have kids who are and we're talking teens and early 20s and, and some of the skin issues that come with that time of life. Teens, oh, my teenagers. I love seeing teenagers too because I feel like I have the ability to really help them out a lot. It's, a, it's such a sensitive age. And two things that really start happening in our culture, they've been happening younger and younger, even preteen, age 10, age 11. Teenagers can start to get a little bit of acne, even that young. And there's also another really common condition that can that crops up, no pun intended, around that age, which is seborrheic dermatitis. And that is a little normal teenage dandruff. And we get a little flakiness around the edges of our nose or eyebrows and a little bit of flakiness in the hair. And that's really triggered by our hormonal changes and increasing oil production in our our, our pores, uh, the sebum that our skin produces as our hormones change. Those two together, the acne and the seborrheic dermatitis, are pretty universal and common and easy to manage when we, when we get them early. One of, the, one of the fun things about it is that they're both affected by diet. And it is now proven that the greatest dietary link and proven trigger for acne is dairy. Since we vegans don't eat dairy, it's 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 we're already a step ahead. But it can be really helpful for for teenagers to hear from me, not their parents, that cutting out the dairy, cutting out cheese, cutting out milk and the secret source of a lot of dairy for teenagers can be whey protein, which is in protein bars and protein shakes, especially boys who are trying to work out a lot and, you know, grow into their young man, man, man selves, they may be drinking a lot of protein from whey protein from dairy without realizing it. So cutting out all of that dairy can really turn the tide on acne. And number two is sugar, processed flour, processed white sugar, white bread, and all, and white pasta can be a secondary level of things to cut out. Cutting out those processed carbs and the dairy can really turn the tide on the acne. That's one. The seborrheic dermatitis, the dandruff, that's a little bit of a generally inflammatory condition, but it can be made worse with a little bit of a low zinc level. Zinc actually helps seborrhea get better. 
So making sure that the diet includes nuts and seeds and zinc-containing foods can be, can be helpful there. Great. And, and you're right. It is such a lovely time of life. I think everybody looks back on it with kind of mixed memories. But there's so much hope and promise. And so many young people are vegan and going vegan that I think uh, there is hope for the world because of that. So as we're coming to our close, I just want everybody to know that you can follow Dr. Jessica Krant on Facebook at The Skin MD or on Instagram at Dr. Krant, K-R-A-N-D-T, The Skin MD. And as I said, we'll put all that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So as you go into a new year and a new half century with your new podcast and you're a newly minted life coach and so much ahead for you, what are you most excited about? I really have to say I am I'm so I'm joyful to be starting this pivot right now and beginning this journey to spread the word that our best lives can still be ahead of us and our healthy aging and our goal busting and everything we want is still ahead of us and it really all comes from inside it's from managing our minds managing our thinking and getting out of our own way. We can learn how to get the stuff that we don't enjoy out of our lives, get more energy bandwidth back to take care of ourselves and be healthy and all thrive. And that's what I'm looking forward to teaching everyone how to do over the next decades. That's so exciting. And where do we find your podcast, Love the Skin You're In? Well, it's Save Your Own Skin. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I said the wrong thing. That's okay. I, you know, I the it's 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 a little it's a little bit of a double entendre. It's Save Your Own Skin because my message is that no one's going to do it for you. You really have to save your own skin, and I mean inside and out. And that's what I want to teach everybody. It's available on Apple Podcasts and on most of the popular podcast platforms. So if you look for it right now, you'll find me there and we're going to keep growing from, from today onward. Oh, wonderful. And I apologize for giving it its wrong name. So save your own skin. That's perfect to end with. Thank you so much, Dr. Jessica Krant, Unity Online Radio and listeners. Oh my gosh, you guys are cool. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show. 
exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.